0: Turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 18, Luke chapter 18, and uh, I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. Our theme this year, we've been talking about it on a weekly basis, is one at a time, and I want to give you a snapshot this morning of how Jesus interacts with one. Isn't it hard to believe that this is the first Sunday of February of the year already? We've already had a month go by, and... uh, I don't mean to startle anybody or to get anybody worked up, but how's your, how's your New Year's changes and resolutions going? I won't to put anybody yeah, I don't want to put anybody on blast this morning, but uh, it's check-in time, and it's February now. It's really challenging to move away from the status quo, isn't it? It's not an easy thing to change something about your life. Luke chapter 18, beginning reading with verse 35, gives us a snapshot of when Jesus interacted with this one individual and there was a change that took place. I want to read it together. It says, as it happened, as Jesus was coming near Jericho, that a certain blind man sat by the road Begging, and hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant, and they told the blind man that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by, and the blind man cried out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then those who went before warned the blind beggar that he should be quiet, but he cried out all the more. He said, son of David, Have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded the blind man to be brought to him. And when he had come near, Jesus asked him, saying, What do you want me to do for you? Isn't that a powerful question? The blind man said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. That word well, it can mean healed. It can mean saved. There was something miraculous that transpired next. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. I want to minister from the word of the Lord from that passage on this thought, status quo struggles, status quo struggles. If you would set your Bibles down, let's go to the Lord in prayer right now and ask the Lord for there to be a revelation spirit that sweeps over this room that would allow us to receive his word. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, meet us in this place right now. Lord, as we elevate your word above our opinions and above our preferences and above anything that we have in our mind that we think is already settled, Lord, let your word come into our life right now. Let us have an open heart to receive what you would give us from your word and let your spirit, God, minister throughout this room in these next several minutes that we have and help us to understand maybe what we've never understood before. Lead us to a place of... Of responding that maybe we've never been to before. Lord, I pray that you would do it so that we could be more like you. And Lord, we submit it to you. We yield it to you in the name of Jesus. And the church said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Status quo struggles. Those two words, status quo, they mean the existing state of affairs. There is a part of human nature that leaps out to defend the current state of affairs, whatever the status quo is. You might, if you wanted to put it, if you wanted to take it out of status quo, out of a different language, and you wanted to put it into just regular old American English, you might call it the comfort zone. The comfort zone. There's a lot of ways that we'll defend the status quo. Sometimes we'll be resistant to change. We'll just resist change. Other times it might manifest itself as us just having a low tolerance for risk. We just don't want to stick our necks out there. We don't want to do anything that's too risky because that's our mechanism of defending, Brother Steve, the status quo. We've got this border that we don't want to be breached. And that's our comfort zone. Other times, we'll do it in order to protect our popularity. Sometimes deviating from the status quo means stepping out of what is popular or what is mainstream. Brother Burke, sometimes it means we have to do something that maybe the majority doesn't believe in anymore. And when we're faced with that, sometimes we will shrink back and withdraw and we'll defend the status quo because we want to protect our own popularity. We want to be part of that mainstream. We, we would rather be a part of the majority. Other times, we just look backwards into the past and we kind of cling to a rosy view of how things used to be, the status quo, how we like it, how it's always been done, the way that it's always operated. And sometimes we can have kind of a rose-colored glasses view of the way that the past has been. And we'll think about the good old days. And sometimes when we really start thinking about the good old days, there's a lot of things about the good old days that weren't that good. But we'll look back and we'll have that view and we'll cling to that idea. Not necessarily the good old days, the past, but the idea of it. And that'll be another defense mechanism we use to kind of defend the current state of affairs and to protect the status quo. It can be really challenging to step out of the status quo. It can really be a struggle, even when the Lord gets involved, going beyond New Year's resolutions and think ways we just try to reinvent ourselves. Even when the Lord gets involved, it can still be a challenge to step out of the status quo. Look in Luke chapter 18 with me in the passage we just read together this morning. There's a blind person sitting on the side of the road on the way to Jericho. Understand with me today that a blind person in the first century had little alternatives for making a living other than sitting on the side of the road begging. It was considered in that day a shameful thing to beg. But it was the only option that this individual had. But as Jesus started to go by, this blind beggar grasped something deeper about Jesus than the crowd around him seemed to realize. Jesus is more than just a teacher. Jesus is more than just a miracle worker. But Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior of the whole world. And this blind man on the road to Jericho that day had a deeper realization of who Jesus was than the majority around him had. His revelation of who Jesus was already superseded the status quo. And so because of that realization that he had, he couldn't hold it in any longer. And as Jesus passed by, And as the blind man became aware that there was a crowd coming by and someone told him that Jesus was among them, he just couldn't hold it in any longer. And he says, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Now, first of all, he knows that he himself is in need of mercy. That's why he actually says, have mercy. He didn't just say, hey, Jesus, come over here. Hey, Jesus, I'd like your autograph. He knows that he's in need of mercy. There's something positive to be said about a person who can accurately assess where they are. I can remember a guy, when I was a teenager, he came in to teach our youth group class on a Sunday morning. And I could tell you the guy's name. I could tell you... Probably what the paint color on the walls was, I could tell you a whole lot about that. It just, it's etched into my memory, and I can remember he came in and he talked to. He wasn't one of the normal. He was just he was an adult from the congregation that they had come in and guest teach, and I'll never ever forget it. He spent that morning talking to us about a topic that I had never heard anyone talk about head on directly. He talked about the importance of being honest with yourself. And he spent a good 45 minutes talking to a group of teenagers about the importance of being honest with yourself. And he said he made the point, he said it was a big key to life and there were so many things in life that turned around whether or not you were a person who was honest with yourself. And it made an impact on me forever. This blind man on the side of the road on the road to Jericho was honest with himself. He knew he wasn't trying to pretend like there was nothing wrong. I've said it this way before. I heard someone say it, and it just got stuck with me. Jesus can't, pretend, can't bless who you pretend to be. At some point, we have to have an honest moment with ourselves and with God. And if we're going to ever see the current state of affairs in our life upset and anything actually change toward God, we're going to have to have the same kind of moment that this blind beggar on the road to Jericho had when he made an accurate assessment of exactly who he was and where he was and what was going on in his life. And he cried out to Jesus, Jesus, have mercy on me. And in doing so, He cleared the first hurdle that sometimes we don't even think about. He cleared the first hurdle to God doing a work in his life when he was honest with himself about where he was and who he was and what was really going on in his life. He assesses where he is and then he takes action. And immediately he's met with the next challenge. As though being honest with yourself isn't difficult enough. He jumps over that hurdle and immediately is met with the next challenge. And it's one of those things that every status quo struggler is going to face. He has a group of people telling him to shut up. Now, what is the guy to do? This is a real moment in time. This is one of those moments where I think, and I've described it this way, Jesus is starting to use his Zoom lens on one person. And time's starting to slow down. Everything else is starting to blur. And things are starting to focus on this one individual and Jesus. It's a real moment in time. And this person has gotten to the place where they are willing to be honest with themselves and even honest with everybody else around them where they are. And now everybody is telling them that they need to shut up. You're sitting there. You've been sitting there for so long in your life. He's in a hopeless, helpless, miserable, wretched situation. And a crowd comes by. You inquire who it is. You find out it's Jesus of Nazareth. You've got an inkling of who he is and what he's about. You've heard the stories. You know what he's capable of. And you've even started to grasp that he might be more than just a miracle worker, but he might be the very Messiah of God. And you cry out for help in the one moment in your entire life that you're actually willing to be vulnerable enough to to admit where you are and to reach out for help. And the people who should know better turn around and tell you, hey, why don't you just pipe down? Why don't you just, we we don't need to bother Jesus with any of that nonsense. Why don't you just quiet down a little bit? We have places to go. We have people to see. We're on our way to the big city. There's an important meeting we have to get to. There's an agenda that we need to stick to. There's a format. There's a prescribed way of doing things. Why don't you just chill and stay over there and just quiet down a little bit? You have to ask yourself, what, what, are, what are you going to do in a situation like that? Because if your interest is just casual, then you're just going to quiet down and wait for the next teacher to come along. If your notion is that there's going to be something like this come along a little bit later, then maybe I don't need to be concerned about this moment right here. I mean, if there's, if there's five trains coming and I miss one, at least I can get on one of the other ones. But if this is the last train... If this is the only train, if this is the only chance that I have, if this Jesus of Nazareth is the only chance I have of upsetting the current state of affairs in my life, the way things have always been, what are you going to do about it? One of the biggest lies of the adversary that he will tell somebody that's in a position like this blind man is he'll tell you that this is just the way it has to be that the way it's been is just the way that it's always going to be, and even it's the way it's got to be. It's the way that it has to be. There's no way it could ever be different than it is right now. But this man wasn't deterred by any of that. He would not quit. He shouted even more, and I believe he shouted even louder. He had the sense, he said, this is a moment in my life And I've got to seize this moment. Even though the crowd tries to quiet me down, even though the people around me try to shut me up, I know this much, that there is a son of David here in my presence, and he will have mercy on me. And if I can only get to him, I believe that he will have mercy on me and that there will be a change that happens in my life. I would submit to you right now that it's at that point is the turning point in this story. It's the turning point of anyone's story. Not when you were in trouble and decided that you needed help, but when Jesus stood still. Luke chapter 18, verse 40 says that when the man cried out yet a second time, Brother Uzel, and said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. That Jesus stopped. He stood still. Imagine, imagine how the disciples must have felt now. They just got done telling this guy to shut up. Have you ever, let's practice the being honest with ourselves thing. You don't have to lift your hand, but just promise me you'll do it internally. Have you ever tried to rush past something? and God made you stop. If you know what that feels like, I know what it makes me feel like. It makes me feel dumb. Capital D, dumb. I feel like I missed it. I feel like, oh my gosh, I'm the least spiritual person in the whole world. I wanted to just rush on past this, and the Lord just will not allow me to go on. That's what happened that day on the road to Jericho. If you know what that feeling is like, if you had an honest moment and you've ever done that and you know what that feeling's like, that's the feeling that they had except they were actually standing there in the flesh of Jesus. And they had to look him in the eyes. Jesus stops and takes time for the one. This is what Jesus does, time and time And time and time again, Jesus slows down and takes time for one person. If you're here today and you feel like you're in a room full of people, but you feel all alone, Jesus is coming for you. He has his eyes on you. It doesn't matter what walk of life that you're from. It doesn't matter how isolated you feel. That's just a feeling. Jesus has his eye on you. He knows exactly where you are. He's aware of everything that you're going through and the crowd, even though the crowd may not be paying any attention to you, there is at least one today. I pray there's more, many more, but there's at least one today from heaven that's looking at you and that knows. Everything about your life. Yeah. You. This is the pattern that Jesus uses to change lives over and over again. Jesus stops for the one. Verse forty-one. Jesus asks the guy in verse forty. He says, "What? What is it that you would have me to do for you?" Now just slow down a little bit, pump the brakes, and realize. This guy just got handed a blank check. You know what he's used to asking for? Money. That's the only thing he's ever felt comfortable asking for. He asks for money, he begs. That's the only way he's able to make a living. He's probably asked for a whole lot of things throughout his life money, clothes, food, all the different things. He's probably slowed down, and in this moment, he's considering his options. But when his need that he's aware of, that he's been honest about, matches up with that revelation that he's had of who Jesus is, there's only one thing left to ask. And it's not money, and it's not food, and it's not clothes. He says, Lord, that I would receive my sight. Jesus still opens eyes today, he can still do it physically. And he still does it spiritually. Jesus can restore the vision for your life. And anybody that is like the blind man, that will, in their consciousness over their own sin and their own blindness, if they're prepared to cry out to Jesus for his mercy, they will certainly be healed of the spiritual blindness. Through the word of his power, Jesus is looking for one today that is not satisfied with the status quo, that is tired of the current state of affairs. You don't want to go to bed another night not sure about where you stand with God. There's something powerful that happens right here in Luke chapter 18 in these last few verses. The blind man was willing to part with the status quo. Jesus was willing to release him from his blindness and shake up the status quo. They got on the same page that the current state of affairs was not good and that something needed to change. And here the blind man has a revelation. He says, I don't have to settle for asking for money to get me through today and tomorrow. I have Jesus here. And he can do a work right now that will affect my entire life. Today, if you're here, he can touch your body. He can touch your mind. He can heal your emotions. He can rebuild your habits. He can help you with your relationships. He can bless your finances. Verse 42 said, Jesus said to the man, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately when he received his sight and followed him, He glorified God, and all the people, when they saw it, they gave praise to God. That day, the blind beggar of Jericho got total victory because when Jesus healed his vision, he got up and he followed Jesus, and he worshiped Jesus. He shook off the status quo. He shook off the way that it had always been in the current state of affairs, and he that day stepped into a brand new life. That's what's possible when Jesus zeroes in on the one. And here's the status quo struggle. Too many people want a God that will change their eternity, but not change their life. They'll say, change my identity. I don't want to be a blind person anymore, but leave my life alone. I still want to beg. Let me ask a question this morning. What happens when Jesus restores vision? Look at the beggar and think about it. Blind, his blindness was his number one asset for securing an income. It was the only way he had of making any kind of living, of taking care of himself. If you remove his blindness from the equation, all of a sudden, everything that he's ever done before falls apart and has to be rebuilt around this new identity. He's no longer the blind beggar of Jericho. His whole identity has been changed, and now his entire life has to be rebuilt around this new identity. To be healed and to receive his sight that day meant that everything that he'd ever known and every way that he'd ever had of having security faded away. It took faith to do what he did that day. We often think of the faith that it took to ask for a healing. But consider with me this morning the faith that it takes to ask And knowing that if it happens, if Jesus does everything that I ask him to do, consider with me the faith that it takes to upset your entire life with a level of uncertainty around the corner that is alarming and uncomfortable. I know you're willing to trust Jesus with your problems, but are you willing to trust Jesus with your whole life? Look at me at, with this, this, this morning at this blind beggar of Jericho is more than just a caricature. More than just a cardboard cutout of a guy on the side of the road blind asking for money. But see him with me this morning as a real human being. That beyond this miraculous day that he had with Jesus on the road to Jericho, there was a life that was going to have to be lived. And that life... Everything about it, everything about the status quo of his life was being turned upside down the first time he opened his eyes and saw the world in living color. I'm making a call this morning to upset the status quo in our lives and to follow Jesus. That's what made all the difference for this person. That's what filled in. What what, what what filled in the gap that void that vacuum that was left by my identity as a blind beggar being extracted out of my life and now all of a sudden i've got this gaping hole of identity what is it that could possibly fill the void of that hole that's left after i lose the one thing that i know i know how to operate with my blindness what is it that could possibly fill the gap and make the difference in a person's life? In verse 43, we see it. It says, immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus and he glorified him. He worshiped Jesus. It's your identity as a disciple and as a worshiper that, and only that that has the ability Once the status quo has been upset to build a new life living for God that's pleasing to him, the only thing that can possibly take the place of your bondages and your burdens that Jesus wants to release out of your life is by answering the call to discipleship and saying, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to worship him with my whole life. I want to return to those words because they are it's the fulcrum it's it's the point that everything pivots on. He followed Jesus. Being released from the status quo, the current state of affairs, the way things have been broken and dysfunctional is not the end in itself. But Jesus stops and works on the one. Not because he is primarily a healer and he is but because he is still calling disciples and worshipers to follow him. Jesus' number one goal in this episode is not to heal the blind man of his blindness, but his number one goal is to gain a follower. Because it is only when we follow after Jesus and we live a life that worships him that we can be truly spiritually saved. It's not enough for the blindness to be removed. It's not enough for your burdens to be rolled away. It's not enough for your bondages to fall off of you and for the chains to fall off of your life. But we, like the blind man, must do the same thing and see that there's such a void and a vacuum in our life that can only be filled when we take up our identity as a disciple and a worshiper of Jesus Christ. My question today is not, do you see? My question today is, who are you following? What are the great things that you are living your life for? because there are many today. There's some that you need the Lord to do a miraculous work in your life, a work of healing, a work of peace, a work of salvation, and, and God can do it. And I believe that we're going to have a time of the Holy Ghost here in just a few moments where you can respond and you can give it unto the Lord and the Lord can remove some of the bondages and some of the status quos of your life that you're tired of living with. But there are also some under the sound of my voice today that you see the world in living color like the blind man who had been healed because God's already done a work in your life and I would not ask you what do you see but I would ask you who are you following because to be healed of your blindness but to not follow after and worship Jesus is an incomplete work of God in your life and the status quo struggle is this today we need to grasp that Jesus is offering more than just removing blindness, but he's willing to do more than just deal with your problem, but he wants your whole life. He would have you lay down the burden of blindness and pick up an identity of boldness. No matter how low you are today, as the musicians come, if you would come to Jesus... It doesn't matter what label they've thrown on you. It doesn't matter that we don't even get a name in the gospel of Luke for this gentleman. We just know him as a certain blind man on the way to Jericho. It doesn't matter what label or moniker or name tag the world and the crowd has slapped on you. When you respond to Jesus in faith, and you allow him to roll away the burdens from your life, and then you go after him and follow him and become a worshiper of his. You are elevated to the highest place that you were designed to operate at. No more do you occupy the lowest place in society, but you are elevated to the highest station in life because you get into the, you get to operating in the position that you were created for. And that's a relationship with Jesus Christ. Once your vision is restored, you have the capacity to follow. Let me stop there for a second. Do you know that in his current condition, the blind man being blind had no capacity? to follow. Couldn't follow. How can you follow what you can't see? He wasn't going to be able to follow Jesus successfully. Wasn't going to work, Brother Anderson. But when Jesus met him on the side of that road on the way to Jericho, there was something that took place. And we can see it and we can say, you know what? It's fantastic that he was healed of his blindness But it was about far more than just a physical healing that day. It was that his physical healing opened the door for more. Jesus wanted a follower. And to receive the miracle of salvation today, to be born again of the water and of the Spirit, to repent of your sins, to be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of our sins, to be, ba- to, to, to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. To receive that miracle of salvation and not go on to follow and to worship is an incomplete work. I'm asking you this morning if we would all do it, if we would be honest with ourselves. Where are you today? Where are you today?